Pastor Dave Nozolo has been, has known Pastor Steve more than all of us have known him. Um, and he's been on, he was here on staff for 15 years. He now is the assistant superintendent. Uh, no, now he's assistant to the superintendent. And, uh, and this morning, we want to welcome him as he comes and brings the message. So can you welcome Pastor Dave to the pulpit? Well, good morning, everyone. Wow, that was better than the first service. I had to ask for one twice, so that was great. Well, you know, even though I walked up uh, during the staff prayer just before, uh, Pastor Steve would have probably, he called me up the first service, so I figured let me do it again. You know, I, I compare belonging to Bethlehem like Godfather 3. You know, you try to get out, but it keeps bringing you back in. And that's my story of Bethlehem. Amen. I'm so privileged. I, honestly, I count it a privilege to be here this morning and to speak to everybody. Um, I have the task of talking about 25 years of ministry and probably over 36 years of friendship and partnership in ministry in about 20 minutes. So I'm going to pretty much speak, 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 ugh, try to speak. I'm going to pretty much stick to the script and try not to embellish as much, but I really feel that I have a word for the congregation this morning and in this time of celebration. But how many know it's never a dull moment with Pastor Steve? Wow, you, oh, Carol raised her hand, wow. Do, do you need the microphone? Is there something you need to share with us this morning, Carol? Yeah, never a dull moment. You know, everybody knows that Pastor Steve is very calm and he's sedate and, you know, he doesn't get excited about much, doesn't get emotional. And as I'm describing it, I'm sure you're feeling that you need to pray for Lisa right now, right? I mean, there's so many stories that we could share. And this morning, uh, at the first service, I just walked in, and it's like a flood of emotion and a flood of memories were just coming in about the history of the church and some of the things that we've been through. You know, one story I shared this morning, I'll share it again today. You know, the church didn't always look like this. How many remember what the church used to look like? Anybody here got some guys that are here long, as long as I am? Yeah, you know, this, this wasn't here, all these TV, TV screens, a beautiful monitor, by the way. That's great. I'd love to get my picture over there so everybody could see me really well. But, you know, it was carpet over here. The stairs weren't here. And the instruments were organized a little bit differently. But specifically, I remember over here there was a piano. How many remember that? And on this side was an old Hammond organ. Remember the pipes hanging from there? All right? And they were at the time when Pastor Steve first became pastor after the first year, he was trying to kind of transition things. You know, the, there's a saying we have in ministry, as you're making changes in churches, you have to do it one, move the piano one inch at a time. So he was moving it one inch at a time. So there were still some people who are in the orchestra, and they were kind of old school. Um, you know, I came this morning. Uh, I haven't had the chance to come to an early service in quite some time. But I came this morning and say, hey, great, the church transition. We don't have to wear suits in the morning. But it was the 25th anniversary, so we put a suit on. But everybody was dressed in their suits, and they dressed, you know, as we traditionally would see people come to church. And we would sing, open up with maybe a couple of hymns, one or two traditional songs or hymns, and the piano playing, the organist, they're really into it and everything, because they're elderly, and they, you know, that, that's their generation. So then Pastor Steve would come up and take over worship after one or two songs. And he saved me, he saved me. He got his guitar out and we're going out. And I brought out this morning, I was watching, I was sitting back there and I was watching the person playing the piano. They're looking at the screen, I mean, they're looking at the music, they're looking at him going up and down. And they were just totally lost. They just couldn't keep up with what was going on. And slowly transition, transition, transition to we have the church we have here. And there's a great history of the church. I would encourage you, we don't have the time to go over all the history now, but I would encourage you to go through the history of the church. 
and what God has done, because it is a celebration of faith. We're here not only celebrating 25 years, but we're celebrating the promises and the purpose of God, how God through the years has raised people up and done things throughout generations to have what we have today. And friends, if we believe that's for today, we believe there's still a hope and a future for what God is going to do even greater than he has done before. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles, if you will, at Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, we're going to read it in the New Living Translation. And I could go on and on with stories, but time doesn't really allow me to. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. The Bible says it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land, that God would give him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that is alive that it will not return void, but it will accomplish its purpose. And I pray, God, that as we have heard the word of God and as we're hearing the preaching that comes forth, Lord, I pray, God, that each and every one of us would hear exactly what you have for us, God. Lord, God, not only celebrating 25 years, which we are, and we celebrate that and we give you glory for it, Lord, but also, Lord, to apply it to our hearts to see what you're speaking to us today. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, in this chapter, the writer begins to talk about the characteristics of faith using those stories in the Bible and the people we know in Bible history as examples, and they're there for us to follow today. We call them faith stories. These are faith stories of how God spoke to people, and we see the journey of their faith. And we read about Abraham. I really encourage you to read the book of Genesis and look at Abraham's faith story. Because when we do, we gain a very important understanding of the walk of faith through these stories. Now, when I hear people sometimes talk about faith, I get a little nervous. Because a lot of people, or many people that I hear, they treat faith as this intangible, as this thing that we believe in to kind of make things happen. So if we have enough faith, if we believe, we believe, we believe, it's got to happen. And they make it kind of an over-esoteric, supernatural thing. When I believe faith is very real and very practical, and we live by faith every day. And I believe these Bible stories teach us about how to live every day and walk every day in faith. Look at the next slide. I think there are some components of faith that we could look at and say, yeah, that is part of faith that we could apply in our walk with God. Number one, promise. God says it. God speaks a promise. He speaks a word. When we know that God speaks something, we know that God will bring it to pass because who is mightier than God? The Bible says that he cannot, he, when we remain faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny who he is. He cannot deny himself. God is faithful to his promise. And when he says something, he makes a promise it will come to pass. But we have to trust that promise. So we see a component of faith is understanding what God said and then trusting that God could bring that promise to pass. Because if we have come to trust God, Many times through our spiritual and our growth experience, we'll come to believe God. It's good to say we have a promise from God. It's good to say that we trust God, but we need to believe God. And a lot of times that happens through our daily life experiences, sometimes those good experiences and many times through those very difficult experiences. When I grew up, I heard a story about a man, uh, Niagara Falls. He said, I could put a rope across Niagara Falls, I could put a barrel, and I could take that barrel, roll it there, and roll it back. As a matter of fact, I could put somebody in a barrel, roll him across Niagara Falls, roll him back, and he'll be okay. And there's a guy in the audience saying, I believe he can do it. I believe it. 
So the guy turned to him and says, will you please get in the barrel? He goes, no, I'm not going to get in the barrel. He didn't really believe him. He didn't trust him. But when we talk about faith in God, God said it. We trust that he can bring it to pass, and we believe him, and we act on that belief. Because we learn to recognize the voice of God, we learn to recognize truth, we learn to hear his word, and we trust in his promises. Through this process, that produces a hope. And I love this. There is a definition of hope that the Bible uses, not a light, I hope so, maybe it'll happen, it could happen, I'm just holding on, okay, you know, maybe. The Bible defines hope as a confident expectation that I fully expect because God made a promise, I could trust his word, and I could believe him that I hope, I confidently expect that God will bring it to pass. A confident expectation that what God says he will do, he will in fact do because that hope is rooted in our trust and in our belief of his promise. Now, the way we live, this is action. We take certain actions based on the, the promise, the trust, the belief, and the hope. We take certain actions. That is the culmination of this whole process. But they are not just any actions. We live in line with what God said. That is called obedience. You know, another saying I grew up with is God is not a bellhop. You know what a bellhop is? It's a person you go to to take your luggage to your room in a hotel. It's like, okay, you know, give you a little tip. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, so what's going on? God is not a bellhop. We do not command God. God commands us. And a lot of times they get so concerned when people say that, oh, God's going to do this and he's got to do it. God doesn't have to do anything. Did I shock anybody here with that? God doesn't have to. He's sovereign. He's God. But we are obligated to obey God. But thank God he gives us a full understanding of faith that we can operate in faith, that we trust God, and God will bring to pass what he said to bring to pass, but we have to obey him. For you see, the act of obedience is the response of faith. We live as though it will come to pass. So when God speaks, the decisions we make every day are decisions of faith because we're walking in what God said. Now this passage that we read in the book of Hebrews the writer uses Abraham as a central example. And while this is Abraham's faith journey, this story is not just about Abraham. It is a God story. It's the story of God fulfilling his promise and Abraham's walk of faith to live out that promise. And in a similar way today, we are celebrating a faith story. We are celebrating 25 years of ministry. Now, as Pastor Henry said before, I know that Pastor Steve is not comfortable with this kind of spotlight, and everybody knows how much Lisa loves the spotlight. How comfortable she, okay, but she's giving me a look, so I'll back off. But everybody knows that he's uncomfortable with the spotlight as far as this is concerned. But friends, we do acknowledge, the Bible does exhort us that we need to give honor where honor is due, because that's part of our faith journey. And to give double honor to those leaders who serve well. So when honoring Pastor Steve today and Lisa, we are honoring God and celebrating what God has allowed to be accomplished. So, church, can we all glorify God together and celebrate the story of faith? Are you with me on that this morning? Amen. So now, most would say, or many of us would say today, we're celebrating 25 years, 
And we think that this whole process started 25 years ago. But friends, it actually started much longer than that. I mean, actually, we could go back to Genesis, but we're not going to go back that far, okay? But, you know, God had a plan for this church when it was started. Just incidentally, this church was started in March 1929. How many knew that? It was, start, it was started in someone's house. It was started with a man who just felt that he wanted to help the children in his community. So he started what, he was, what we call today Sidewalk Sunday School, although they didn't know it. And he used to go and gather kids together and teach them on Sunday mornings about God and have Sunday school right in the street. But what started happening is people, parents started coming, so he realized he had to do something with them, and he didn't know what to do with them because he wasn't a pastor. He was just kind of a gatherer type of guy. And over the years, he called pastors to come to minister and, uh, and establish the church, and that the church was established. And the, actually, the church started in Jamaica, Queens. Did you know that? The church originally started Jamaica, Queens, and in about the 1950s, the pastor at the time, uh, Pastor Moriello, when he became pastor, he came and he bought this property here in Valley Stream. As a matter of fact, the building next to us, which we call the gymnasium, was the original church. And then in 1977, this building was built. But what happened during that time, when Pastor Moriello was here, and during that time, up to 1977 in those times, there was a young family that came to the church, and most of them are sitting here this morning. I think they were sitting in the same place they sat 30 years ago. Is that right, Ellie? You're sitting here? And there was a young kid, one of them, who was celebrating today, was maybe sitting in the first uh, row. They had the pews at the time. How many remember the pews? I remember when they had to go. I mean, you'd sit down and uh, get a splinter in your, in your leg or something. So we got rid of the pews. Thank God for, for that. But it was a young man. Maybe at a, as a kid when he was here, maybe he fell asleep in church. And I say that because I used to always fall asleep in church when I was growing up. So I think everybody's like me. But he was here. They moved to Florida for a time. And then as things, went ha things happened, as challenges and different events in the life came, they came back and they landed back here in the church. And uh, Pastor Steve, by that time, was a young adult, an older teenager, young adult, and he started getting involved in the church. And you understand, you've heard his testimony of a car accident that just kind of woke him up to that God had a plan for his life and he gave his heart to the Lord. At the time, he was dating Lisa and then they got married. And together they started this journey. Well, during that time, I remember very clearly, this church went through a very difficult time. The pastor and his wife at the time suddenly died within a year of each other. And it caused a bit of, term, a bit of turmoil in this church. I believe that was back in 1982. And here we are. I remember uh, he and I were talking one time. We had met just not far from there, uh, just for total expo uh, clarity and exposure. My wife is his cousin. So... People ask us, they say, look, you guys used to work together, you were at family functions together, and you know, Italian families, you have lots of functions and lots of food, right? Right? <laughs> and then we used to go on vacation together or go to retreats or whatever together, so we spent a lot of time together. I said, didn't you guys ever get tired of each other? No, I'm still here. He's still here. He allowed me to come speak, so I guess we're doing okay. But during that time, there was a bit of turmoil. And a bit of change. And in times of change, you're not always certain what's going to happen. You're not always certain. I remember we were both coming up in ministry together at the time. I was at my dad's church. And, you know, things were going kind of smooth. And I had my, my issues later on where turmoil came in my life. But then, then things started to change. And it was kind of, what do we do? What is God going to do? But he held on to the fact that God had a call in his life. 
And we have to hold on, friends, that God has a call on our life, that God has a purpose for us, and he has a promise. And come what may, whatever situations, and whether you're coming to this church for 25 years or longer, or whether it's the first time here in this church, I want to tell you this morning that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. God has a calling for you that he wants you to live out. And maybe the words that I speak today are words that, or words that you remember people speaking to you. It's going to remind you that, hey, there's got to be something more than what's happening right now. Again, whether you're here for 25 years or this is your first time here, whether you've acknowledged Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or you've been a Christian for your whole life, God is not through. He has something better. He has something more. And he wants to fulfill his divine purpose in your life. I think that's so incredibly encouraging because me who I am limited in what I do and I make so many dumb mistakes and I do many, so many stupid things, God still loves me enough to set me right and say, I still love you, I still have a plan for your life and I'll prove it to you. I'll send my son Jesus Christ to die for your sins. Can you say thank God for that? <laughs> so through all this, I would like to take the next few moments and suggest three facets to a walk of faith that I believe we have seen over the last 25 years that can serve as an example for us today. Number one, and I'm going to move quickly. Number one, recognize that God has a plan and has made a promise. We need to recognize that God has a plan and God has made a promise. I remember that some time ago, it must have been 30 years ago or more, Pastor Steve and I were talking, and we were kind of comparing notes on our journey into ministry. And at this time, I remember a conversation that we had that he was talking, you know, he was just getting involved in the painter's union and he was kind of working his way up the ladder, no pun intended. I just thought of that. Did you get it? You can laugh. Do me for laugh. No pun, working his way up the ladder, painter's union, get it? Should I say work his way up the scaffolding? Would that help? But he was working his way into a career and we were talking, comparing ministry and things like that. And at the time, this church was going through a very difficult time. And he says, you know what? We just feel, my wife and I believe that we have to go into ministry, that God has his hand upon us, and we have to walk in that. So we stopped doing that, and they both went to Bible school, and they transitioned over to Bible school. He gave up what certain people would think is a secure future to move on. So, sounds like a little bit like Abraham's story that we read, that Abraham got a call from God, and he went, and he didn't really know what to expect necessarily, but he went anyway, and God guided him back step by step. Now if we look back for the last 25 years, we can scan those years and see what God has been unfolding and the plan that he's been unfolding, not only in the Malazzo's life, but also at Bethlehem Assembly of God. If we look back at history, and I encourage you to look back at history of the church and history of ministries and even history of your life, and you will see God is at work as you hear the word of God. But it comes re recognizing that God has a plan even though you don't understand the whole picture. Number two. Believe the plan and the promise of God. We have to believe the plan and the promise of God. I remember back, the pastoral vote over 25 years ago. I remember where I was sitting. I was sitting back there. And I recognized there was an excitement and sense in the air that, that God was bringing both Pastor Steve and Bethlehem into a new day. And God was going to do something new. And I remember Pastor Steve shared a plan with the congregation that he felt God spoke to him about concerning the church. And while there were many aspects to that plan, there were two things that stand out, in my line, uh, stand out in my mind that I'd like to use as an example. Number one, he, had, he said, we have a commitment to missions. I'm committed to missions. And how many people know that this church is committed to missions? 
And it went back to a word of the Lord that came many years even before we were born that said Bethlehem Assembly would be a light to the world and would reach the world. So I believe what happened, he shared that commitment to missions with the church. And the second thing that he said is, I believe God wants us to buy the block. And he shared that with the church. So we see this young pastor, 30 years old, put it all on the line for a word from God. So you see, it was not just a plan for church growth, but it was born out of a time of searching and discovering what God already said he wanted to do. It was not just making plans for church growth. Listen, there's plenty of church plan, plans, church growth plans out there. But we don't want that. We want God's plan and we want God's promise because he will energize it. And he believed that the promise of God, that God would make it real, and he made it a hallmark of the ministry of Bethlehem Assembly of God. So now, looking back over the last 25 years, you can see the results. For you see, this is not just a Bethlehem story. This is not even just a Bethlehem, a Stephen, and a Lisa story. This is a God story. God has a plan. God has a purpose. And he will put people in position and orchestrate things to happen so his plan and his purpose will be fulfilled. Do you believe that? Say yes. yes. Number three, and I need to move along. Make decisions based on God's plan and God's promise. Now, friends, it's more than just saying, I believe. Because the walk of faith says, not only do I believe, but I trust and I obey. I will plan for the possible and leave it up to God to multiply the impossible. You know what? We always look for the miracle. And a lot of people I speak to, they quote that, that story of how Jesus walked on the water. Isn't that great? Jesus walked on the water, and, you know, and Peter came out, and we talk, and we hear a lot of sermons on it. It's a great sermon, but I have a newsflash for you. Every other time Jesus wanted to get to the other side, he took a boat. And in the boat, he had people who knew how to row. He knew people that understand the waves, the current, the weather, the wind, and they understood those things, and he went. So what we're doing, we're sitting still and waiting, and we're waiting for Jesus to walk on the water. And he says, get in the boat, start rowing, and I'll decide if I walk in the water. But I'm going to do something miraculous. And when you get there, be ready for something. So there's something that says that we have to make a decision for God's plan and God's promise to look at it and to, uh, to, to respond. And if we live it out every day of our life, God will give the increase, and he will perform the miracles. I got one Amen. Do I have another one? Am I getting you to think a little bit? Is this a little pra too practical for you? So, going back to the examples of the plan, let me give you an example, and maybe the next slide. I have a plaque here. Now, most of you, if you come to this church any length of time, you, you're familiar with these plaques. Every year an award is given out for the one, number one church in New York State that gives to missions. And I'm presenting it to you again this morning for Bethlehem Assembly of God for missions. Now, this plaque didn't happen overnight. You see what happened? The call was from day one that we're going to give to missions. So the plan was every dollar that comes in the general fund in this church, 10% is going right to missions. So we are preparing for miracles. We only gave 10%, but God has multiplied that so much because look at all the missions banquets. That money was raised. Look at all the missions trips that have been gone on. As a matter of fact, there's a team there in Cuba right now. And I believe it's probably your second or third missions trip already this year. If not, you do multiple trips a year. Or we do multiple trips a year. You see, it was making decisions every day to prepare for the fulfillment of the promise of God. And you may say, well, that's a self-fulfilling prophecy. 
We do the possible, but God energizes it, and he does more than we could ask or think. Look at the next slide for a moment. We talked about buying the whole block. Well, here's a map of the church, this whole block that God has appointed that we were going to buy. We have it. And you know why? Because putting that plan into action was, you know what? Out of our general fund offerings, 5% is going to go into a savings for building expansion. And we're going to work our budget around that we make sure we have those two things happening, that when the time comes and property comes up, we are able to respond. Now, yes, I know that people say, you know, we want a rich person to come and somebody make a big donation. That's the miracle that God has done above and beyond that. But what we did is we disciplined ourselves, or Pastor Steve led us to discipline ourselves and prepare to respond when God was ready to move. Oh, and incidentally, without debt. Oh, I heard a rumbling. I need to throw this in. I need to throw this in. I really do. Some of you, peeps, some of you parents that are putting your kids in college and have credit card debt, you need to understand this principle of faith. Oh, it got great. Well, a baby said amen. Thank you for that. So we see we put it in without debt. And I remember back in 2008 when the economy was in trouble and offerings were down in this church anywhere from 15 to 20%, people needed help. Not only was the church able to stay on its feet because we were uh, the leadership was responsible for the funds and we were still giving the missions and still putting money aside, we were even able to help people in need. Because you know what? It's amazing how when you obey God by walking in that kind of faith, that God does the incredible above and beyond what we could ask or think. Friends, that's called the walk of faith. Look at this saying over here in the next slide. Destiny is not a mystery. It is a decision. How we make decisions determines our possibilities. In making those decisions, we have to do our due diligence. And we need the help of the Holy Spirit in the process. In other words, friend, anyone can say that they have faith, but it's entirely something else to intentionally live out that faith every day. Look at this next saying. A glimpse of the future put into measurable steps today is making preparation for what is to come. Friends, in other words, nothing is more inspiring than a long obedience in the same direction. You see, friends, this is a God story. This is a story how God could do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. And I want you to consider something. With all that has occurred over the last years, 25 years and more, all the successful sexes, all the successes, they're all only the beginning and are foundational for what God still has to come. God is not finished working his plan for Bethlehem Assembly of God. I'll say that again. God is not finished working his plan for Bethlehem Assembly of God. God is not finished fulfilling his promises to Bethlehem Assembly of God. God is not finished with his plan and his promise to Pastor Steve and for Lisa. God is not finished with his plan and his promise for me and my family, for you and your family. Wherever you find yourself, friends, God is not finished yet. All that we see all that we are celebrating today did not happen overnight. It was a steady walk of faith and obedience and an example to us to keep going forward for what's next. Friends, what are we celebrating today? We are celebrating the promises of God and servants that lived an example of what it means to walk in faith. And because of that, I believe that the best days are yet to come. Now, okay. Let me say something. We see, hear that so much as a cliche. People come and say, oh, the best days are yet to come. 
But you know why I know the best days are yet to come? Because we're celebrating a Hebrews chapter 11 experience. And based on the authority of God's word, looking at the history and the consistent obedience of your pastor and his wife and the leadership of the church, God has more to do. He has more to accomplish. Who knows? Above we could ask or think. So the question I have for you, friends, are you ready? I said a question I have for you, church, are you ready? Are you ready for what's next? And you know what? There are things being talked about that we don't even know about that's in the heart of God already. He says, okay, you got this far. I'm ready to bring it to another level. And how many know your leadership is ready for that? So are you ready? Why don't you stand to your feet? Let's give the Lord a clap offering, a praise offering. Let's just worship God for the last 25 years. But more than that, for the things that God is going to do. So this is what I will say as we close up this, uh, this morning. A church is only as healthy as its people. We are the church. If Pastor Steve and the leadership of this church is going to go to the next level, it's because you individually went to the next level. If we're going to be healthy as a church, is that individual people in the church get healthy. This is not a spectator sport where you get to cheer the people on the platform and go home and do nothing. And we've come this far by prayer. And the thing that will carry us for the rest of the journey will be prayer. And if there's one thing I know about our senior pastor, one, he prays for his staff every day. And then he prays for his congregation every day without fail. Because Pastor Steve knows if the Spirit of God is not in it, it is a waste of time. And since we know his heart, there's only one way he would want us to finish. And that would be around the altars in prayer. 